here when we started. You missed out my review of Johann's sermon last week, an encouragement for us to enter in, but uh, I'm sure you've done that anyway. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Galatians chapter 5. Uh-oh, I've got these two guys in front. They're heckling already. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Jump down to, it goes to what the works of the flesh are, but down to 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We're going to start there. I started a couple weeks ago on the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the things I said is that these are not just character things, but it's something that the Holy Spirit works in us as we're filled with and submitted to Him. Now, it might have sounded like I said that the fruit of the Spirit is just automatic if we're filled with the Spirit. But that's not the case. It's not automatic, it grows. The encouragement is to walk in the Spirit, walk in step with the Spirit so that this fruit can grow in our lives. And so that's why we have to walk in step with the Spirit. We can't produce fruit without the Spirit, but He won't do it without our participation. And so it's both of them. We can't do it on our own no matter how much I try, but he won't do it without our participation. Just sitting doesn't make fruit grow in our lives. It's participating. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here today, that you lead us in truth. Lord, that word that Lance shared at prayer the other night about the mixture of word and fire, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to pour fire upon us as we respond to the word. Something supernatural today. And we open our hearts to you to do that. We want to participate with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if, the, if we can't do it without the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit won't do it without our participation then it's probably a good idea, it would be helpful if we know what the Spirit is doing in us so that we find ourselves working with Him and not against Him. That would be smart, right? That's what being in step with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, responding to His leading, prompting His revelation. So, Galatians 5.22, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. A couple weeks ago, I was watching uh, the American football, we call it gridiron here, playoffs, and uh, the NFL. And they've allowed the teams this year to put whatever they want. There's a little pad on the back of their helmets, and they can put whatever they want on there, and so they've had different statements. Well, one of the teams in the playoffs, the whole team had on their helmet, little pad, be love. I thought that was rather ironic 
of a team that smashes each other, <laughs> wears all these protective clothing and pads and helmets and everything so they can smash each other harder in love. <laughs> I just thought it was ironic. But it was interesting that here's a team that in spite of all the things that have happened in the States, there is something in us, all of us, that knows that there's something valuable in real love. We might not actually do it, but we still know that it's something to be desired. We know or desire that which is good. So, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. Now we need to understand, because God is love, the very foundations of his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the building blocks, the very atmosphere of his kingdom is love. And that's why when we come to the fruit of the Spirit, if you're like me, most of us have read this and we say the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, longness, gentleness, patience, self-control. We go through. How many of you have ever spent time thinking about it? You probably have but you're going to again. So the very foundation of God's kingdom is love. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his son. The foundation was God's love. In establishing this kingdom, Jesus taught more about the kingdom of God than anything else. In John 13.34 and 35, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. Now let me just jump aside here. The old, the, the, in Matthew 20 or 22, the Pharisees asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the old covenant? And Jesus says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In your own flesh, that's the best you can do. But Jesus comes along and he raises the bar and he says, a new commandment is not love your neighbor as yourself, but love as I've loved. Not as you love yourself, but as I've loved you. It's a whole new standard. It's a sacrificial, we'll talk about it in just a second, but that's, that's the, the foundation of the kingdom. He didn't just say, hey, do a better job at loving people as you love yourself. He actually established a whole new standard. He raised the bar, which is why we need the Holy Spirit. One Corinthians 13. From verse one. I'm going to turn in mind because I actually like to read the... Uh, printed word, but says this, although I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing." And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, 
it profits me nothing. He's saying without love, nothing else is of value. We need to understand what this God-type love really is. Because it's quite different than the world, isn't it? The word here is agape. Most of you would know that. It means something of an unconditional, self-sacrificing love. Someone once said, it's a choice for someone else's best or highest. Another similar word is benevolence, doing something for someone else. But it's not just the act, it's a heart. It's a choice for someone else's best or highest. Think about that for a second. Quite different than how the world defines love. The world tends to define love as an emotion. It's a warm feeling. It's an intense pleasure. When someone does something or says something that makes me feel good, we define that as love. And then we say, because it's defined as a feeling, the opposite in the world is also a feeling, it's hate. It's an intense displeasure. Yet agape is not an emotion, but it's a choice. And most of you know this, but the opposite, since it's not a feeling, it's a choice. The opposite of love is also a choice, but it's a choice for something else. Instead of a choice for someone else's highest, it's a choice for my own. It's selfishness. The problem with love being a feeling is that feelings are influenced by what's outside of us. If everything goes well, I feel good. That always surprises me. You ever watch any interview of something major that happens, some sporting event? How did that make you feel? What are they saying? It's stuff outside of you that makes you feel a certain way. So as long as Mary does everything I want, I feel good toward her, which means I love her. But what happens if she doesn't do what I want? I no longer love her. Poor Mary. <laughs> But the Bible says that this love is a choice. So no matter what she does, it doesn't affect how I feel because I choose something else. Let me give you another illustration. I've used this before. You've probably heard it, but your emotions follow your will, your choices. Like a trailer follows a car. So if you make choices, you're will gets in line with your choices. If I continually choose to love Mary, my emotions fall in line with that. 
and I feel loving toward her as well. But what happens when you try and back up the car with the trailer? You can do it very carefully, very slowly, but have you ever seen a car going down the highway 100 k's an hour with a trailer attached backwards? Never. Why? Because it will crash. If you allow your life to be controlled by your emotions, you will crash. If you allow your choices to follow your emotions, you'll be all over the place. The trailer going like this. When I back up trailers, that's what they do for some reason. (laughs) But when you allow your emotions to follow your choices, you have stability. You still with me? So, having said all that, this love, agape, this God-type love, one of the major results of that is that every person has inherent value. Value in and of themselves, not value just based on what they do. See, an emotional approach to love says, you're valuable if you do what I want. Or if what you do makes me feel good. But this says you're valuable simply because you're you. You're made in the image of God. Every single person is valuable. You still with me? It's not what do you offer to my self-centered life, but every single person is valuable. Why we can be concerned for the circumstances of people we've never met. See, if love is just an emotion, you could care less. Because they don't affect how I live. So, having said that, there's an impact of this type of love. Acts 17, verse 6. It says that when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren, rulers of the city, crying out, those who have turned the world upside down have come here also. How did they turn the world upside down? They lived with a different heart of love. It turns everything on its head. It is a whole different approach to life. Galatians chapter 3. From verse 26, for you are all sons of God and through faith, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. That statement was unheard of in that day. People had no conception. Women were not valued. Slaves were not humans. Yet Christ comes with this love that is different. It's not self-centered. 
but it's agape, it's unconditional, it sees everyone as value, and began to change how society functioned. Turn the world upside down. Women are valuable, not just property. Slaves are human beings. People of different ethnicity are valuable. Children shouldn't be abused. The poor should be helped. Medicine should be available to everyone. Every one of those concepts is a direct result of the love of God changing how we see the world. You can look back in history, you can see every one of those things that have impacted our culture is the result of Christians filled with the love of God. I get stirred up and I get excited, so I yell. So just be patient with me. So much so that someone once said, if an atheist from today were put back into that world at Jesus' time, they would be considered a Christian. Why? Because the values, even of an atheist, are that every person's important. The values are that slavery is wrong. The values are that people shouldn't be abused. Even atheists believe that. That's the result of the kingdom of God impacting the world. This love that turned the world upside down has so changed the world that even people who, don't, who say they don't believe in God have been impacted. And if they were put back in the day, the, the Roman in Rome in the days of Jesus, they would have been persecuted as being Christians. That's pretty amazing, huh? But not only has it changed the world, it changes people. We can see throughout history people willing to lay down their lives for others. John 15, 13 says, No greater love has any man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Unheard of before Jesus. Unheard of. Nobody would lay down their life. Unheard of. Yet people have done that. Think of the disciples. Think of people like Mother, Mother Teresa. Hundreds of others, martyrs, missionaries. I read a story of some Moravian missionaries who sold themselves into slavery to take the gospel to an island in the Caribbean where the owner was against uh, Christianity, sold themselves into slavery so they could share the gospel with those slaves because of their love for Jesus and their love for people. That's what the Holy Spirit is working a fruit in us if we allow him to. We need to be aware because everything in our culture Everything around us says, you're first. It's all about you. What makes you feel good? Every advertising slogan is about putting you first. 
You're number one. Everything comes down to, to what makes you happy. We're going to talk about happiness next week. Because the next fruit of the Spirit isn't happiness. It's joy. But it's based on this. If you don't understand this, you won't understand that. It's based on something God pouring in us. So what does it mean for us? First thing is that we need to work with the Holy Spirit as he produces this fruit in us. What that means is that he shows us our selfishness. See, this love is selfless. The opposite is selfish. And so what does the Holy Spirit show us? Hey, that decision was selfish. And what do we do? We repent. And we allow the fruit of a different love to grow in us. It doesn't happen all at once. Fruit grows. You don't just blink your eyes or twitch your nose as whoever the, the bewitched. Boom, some math that doesn't just happen, fruit. And some of us think that, oh, I, just, I get filled with the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden, boom, everything happens. No, the, fruit, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and fruit grows. And so he shows us our selfishness. He shows us that the, the way we treat people is selfish. When I get angry at the driver who drives slow in front of me, none of you ever do that. When I get angry, it's because I take it personally. They are inhibiting my ability to get where I need to be on time. How dare they? Don't they know I'm the center of the universe? Huh? <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit says, Nat, just to remind you, I shared a couple months ago, I had a few days where everywhere I went, I was behind someone doing 20Ks below the speed limit. Everywhere. And I just was getting frustrated. And after about the third day, I started complaining, Lord, how come everyone drives slow? And the Holy Spirit said, teaching you some patience. I hate it when he does that because it's kind of like that word opens up a whole vista of things. And I realized that a lot of things in my life I had become impatient. I was expecting people to change quicker and do things faster. And how come this isn't happening how I think it should? All those are just selfishness coming back in. And the Holy Spirit says, ah, let's make some adjustments here. So what does it mean is that we've got to work with the Holy Spirit? But the second thing it means is that we've got to trust the Holy Spirit to work in others. Let me give you a revelation. You are not the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but you're not the Holy Spirit. And there is not an opening in the Trinity, and God's looking for someone to take the Holy Spirit's place. Maybe Lance could do that, God's sake. 
And so he doesn't need you to try and convict people of their selfishness. That's the work of the Spirit. You need to work with the Holy Spirit in you and trust him to work in others. Now, this is really difficult if you're in relationship. Okay, we're going to get down to brass tacks here. If I'm loving and Mary is selfish, I feel used. So what's the response to that? I'm going to be more selfish than she is. None of you ever think this way. I don't. It's just me. No. I'm going to allow God to fill me with his love, and I'm going to be more loving. And then I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to deal with her. She's his daughter. I'm not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> For those of you who didn't hear that, my wife on the front row said, praise God. Praise God. She has this thing on the front row. I've told you this before, but let me tell you again. This is one of the funniest things that ever happened. Church we were part of, we led in Melbourne. And uh, we would have this time of just greeting one another as we changed after the worship. And, but the, the guy in the sound, the sound booth was in the back like that. And the guy was talking. And so I was ready to, to preach. And, but he wasn't paying attention. So I'm trying to get his, his attention. His name was Sam. Saying, Sam, turn the mic on. Sam, 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 turn the mic on. And I said, uh, Sam, turn me on. And, and just as I said the next phrase, my son, who was back there, reached up and unmuted the mic. So what I said was, Can anyone out there turn me on? <laughs> and the place went dead silent. And into the silence from the front row, Mary's head goes up and she says, I can. <laughs> and like that, everyone laughed. For the next 10 minutes, every time I started to share something to preach, everyone laughed. <laughs> so their mind was there. So there's a history of this. Trust the Holy Spirit will work in other believers. You're not the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, whether you can articulate or not, this love, this type of love is what we all long for. Whether you can say it or not, whether you articulate it this way, there's something inherent in us that says this is the type of love that I want. Young people, let me say this. If you're looking for relationships, don't settle for selfishness. The world is lying to you when it says that's what love is, and it isn't. Don't settle for selfishness. When someone pressures you or manipulates you to get what they want, it's selfishness. But having said that, allow the Holy Spirit to work in you so that you can be Love. Football players have no clue, but you do. 
and you can be, you can be filled with God's love. That's what 2 Corinthians 6.14, when it says, don't be unequally yoked, is talking about. It's talking about being joined with people who are submitted to God and filled with him so that together our love is magnified and we can pour out on others. Otherwise, people come to relationships from an empty cup saying, I'm expecting you to fill me. But the problem is, they're not filling back. But if we're both full with the love of God, we can pour out on one another. So, we're going to share communion. All that. We're going to share communion because communion is a reminder of God's love for us. He chose you. And as you respond to him, and so he says, as often as you do this, do this and do it in remembrance of me. You know, he doesn't say celebrate Christmas in remembrance of me. He doesn't even say celebrate Easter in remembrance of me. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Recognizing his body broken for us where he's taken our sin upon himself. His blood poured out for us, which established a new covenant of love, a new kingdom. So there's gluten-free crackers or whatever they are in the front. There's also tables in the back. If you would, go grab the uh, elements and uh, take it back to your seat, if you would, and just hang on to it, and we'll share it together. So there's four stations, four tables, two in the front, two in the back.